Timbers Army Field Report. I'm Kyle Carvello, as always, joined by Mr. Drew Olson. Drew, how you doing? Dude, I'm living the dream. Fantastic, fantastic. <laughs> and on, uh, on tonight's show, we have uh, a member of the uh, fantastic and the infamous Lone Star Brigade, Brian Ramirez Fomat. Brian, how you doing? Uh, I couldn't be better, man. It was it was it was a blast last night. Oh. So still still high on Western Conference Championship. Our first our first repeat guest on the uh, TA Field Report. So yeah, uh, Brian, you should feel pretty honored. You're our first repeat. <laughs> <laughs> man that that's awesome i had no idea i thought about that but i was like um oh, they probably had other people on but i nah, appreciate it first. i first. appreciate it so for those of you who don't know and i don't know who you are if you don't know uh the timbers went down to dallas last night which was sunday night and uh they tied 2-2 with fc dallas to go ahead into the mls cup final and advance uh 5-3 on aggregate which is pretty cool we're going to win the league. We're going to win the league. <laughs> uh, yeah, Brian, so you were there, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, take yeah, us I... through the day, man. Take us through the day. Uh, you need to make sure I, – I want the details of what uh, – did you, you met Merritt Paulson, correct? Yeah, correct. Uh, I don't know if you got – I know, uh, Kyle, I think you follow me on Twitter now. I don't, Drew, I don't know if you follow back, but, yeah, I posted a – a selfie of uh, me and Merritt, but yeah, um, supposedly I guess the tailgate started at 11 and I got there around noon and it was just already so Portlandy outside. It was, uh, it was like 40 degrees and raining and uh, we were, we were out there, man. We were out there really early um, before basically any FC Dallas fans and um, people from everywhere. I mean, you could tell they were just coming in off a plane, you know, you could tell that some of them had just gotten off the road. We had Arkansas people come a uh, big contingent from Arkansas, actually. We had Oklahoma come and uh, from all over the state. And then just, yeah, randomly, I mean, we had heard that Merritt said he, he wanted to try to show up, but obviously he didn't make any promises. So um, I started hearing a bunch of, like, cheering and yelling and stuff, and I turned around, and, man, he's so tall. Like, I, I didn't realize how tall he was. I had never just been there uh, next to him. So, yeah, I mean, he towered over everybody, and he was he was cool, man. I mean, just – that Twitter personality when he's all angry and, and getting upset, you know, it's it's so different when we're riding this high. And like I said, he was so nice. He took a beer. He got scarfed with a Lone Star Brigade scarf. And he signed our family tree, which is our, our big banner. I know um, we talked about it. And he talked to us, you know, gave us a little, little speech there and said we were going to do it. And then I don't know if anybody saw it, but my girlfriend actually recorded a great video on the Lost Star Brigade. She posted it. Um, it's Merritt stomping on an FC Dallas scarf. Uh, I did see that. <laughs> yeah. I saw that. Yeah. Um, I don't know how some of the – I don't know what the story is on where they got it, but it was uh, getting stomped around there before pregame. And I was very superstitious about it. I stayed away from it, but, you know, <laughs> uh, Merritt went for it. And he, he even said – he was like, I'm going to be in so much trouble for this. <laughs> <laughs> and then went ahead and did it anyway. So, um, and then yeah, we got walked in really early. Unlike I guess most of the FC Dallas fans that supposedly were stuck outside. Yeah, how early did you go in? Because I know I, probably a little bit before halftime they showed a line, so 500 people waiting outside the stadium. So when did you guys get let in? We were actually it was like I, I want to say hour and a half, hour and 15 minutes before kickoff. Uh, we were walked in, and by the time kickoff happened, we were our section was was full. So, 
we were uh and by the looks of the tv you were the only section that was full yeah right yeah and that was a lot of portlanders were like just in disbelief like we're like i can't believe you know some of them it was their first time here and they were like i can't believe it's like 15 minutes before kickoff five minutes before kickoff and the stadium just was still practically empty but even those 500 waiting outside wasn't going to fill up the seats that were left no, over. No, of course not. I mean, this, Dallas needs to be, feel pretty bad. Like, their team is good, and it's not that, no reflection of the team, but I'm not sure if it's the community or maybe the organization, but if you're playing a leg two, you know, playoff game final, you need to show up for your team. And obviously their fans were there, and, and they've sold out. That, I mean, when they had, um, when LA Galaxy came with um, Giovanni Dos Santos, that was a pretty damn near close to sold out stadium for FC Dallas. So you got to know the fans they exist. So why the fuck don't you show up? Because there are no national team players from Mexico playing. <laughs> yeah, and I mean the the big thing is though you have like anybody that knows Dallas, Frisco is about as uh, you know it's not the most upscale suburbia, but it's up there. And it's not really the target audience that I think this this sh- this city should have like you know placed the stadium with and, and targeted you know it's it's really not I mean you want this Latino fan base you know we have so many Mexicans so many you know Central Americans and stuff here and it's it driving up to Frisco 45 minutes away if you live in Dallas I mean it's just it's sometimes not feasible for people you know like that in those neighborhoods putting an urban stadium would have would have done them a lot better. I mean, you look at Houston, and they may not fill up, but you get a strong contingent of Latino supporters coming into that stadium. So Frisco is just it's just a bad idea, that stadium and, and where it is and stuff. So Yeah, I, I just something that I don't think a lot of folks think about with, with the suburban stadiums is that in a lot of ways you're excluding a lot of the population by putting it, especially, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's no public transportation to the stadium so if you don't have a car you're kind of sol at that point so you know it's half the freaking people of the city that you know can't afford to get out there that can't go to the game so yeah and and that makes it harder too on you know like away supporters i know when we were getting bombarded with questions on the page on lone star brigade we were just telling everybody you have to run a car i mean there's just no there's no route from the airport to the stadium, it's so far away, you know, and it's, there's no buses that run through Frisco. There's no, you know, there's nothing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, it's car only and actually both highways that go through Frisco are tollways to, to put it on top of that. So, man, that's, that's a bummer. No max, yeah. no max station, right? Yeah. <laughs> no. Did you think that whole, did it, did it play to the Timbers benefit to have less of a Dallas crowd there? Well, it it definitely played into our uh, our ability to be heard. I mean, from my understanding, and I don't know how you guys saw it at home, but um, I, we were told that you could hear us pretty well coming through. And the only other thing you could hear was uh, the Matador section, which tends to play like salsa music throughout the whole game. So, and that's to our left. They but... kept cutting to the dudes drumming with th- sunglasses yeah. on. <laughs> oh yeah, that's over in the the beer garden. Yeah, and you know what's funny about that is they they were quiet mostly until I guess they scored those two goals. Uh, then they started kicking it up and playing and stuff. So. Well, before we get there, take us through the the first half. Like it was, 
I don't even remember the first half really, but did, how were you guys <laughs> feeling? Like, what was the mood? Uh, that TIFO you guys did was actually really cool. I loved that TIFO. Yeah, and and it was unfortunate. I was I was stuck behind it, so I didn't get to see. I saw the top part from the back, but I didn't see the Dallas come out and play. I would have thought that was more clever. And um, but um, yeah, and they had their own tifos. Apparently, they had uh, the Matador had that like everything burns or something like that. Um, one over to our left, but the you know it never. I don't know. Like it was weird. We never. I don't know. I never felt nervous and it didn't seem like anybody around me felt nervous. It never felt, it was just cool to be there and we were chanting. And I think, I don't know if it was, we were cold and wet and we've been standing outside for so long, but um, I don't know. It, it, the first half, yeah, it went kind of really quickly. And especially once it ended zero zero, we were all kind of looked at each other like, well, if the second half is anything like this. It won't, it won't be so bad, but it did not stay that way. And it opened up a lot in that second half. Uh, so first, so, uh, walk us through the Audi goal. What, which side was he in the goal, the same side as you guys? No, yeah, they, the they scored both goals on the other side, okay. uh, which made it really hard. Um, the Audi one was pretty definitive though. We, we saw that one go in and, and that was incredible. It, you know, it's always hard when you, know, you guys go to games, like keeping track of where all the players are, I actually find it harder than it is on TV. So I couldn't tell who did the assist, but it wasn't until this morning that I saw that, Valeri had was you know dishing it out over there and and it was amazing I mean we were I I think at that point we kind of thought it was over we kind of were just like oh it's done you know it, so they, did we <laughs> oh yeah I thought was, I mean I wouldn't say it out loud but I thought it was done I yeah I had my hotel book pulled up to to book at that point and then they scored two and I held off for a moment <laughs> uh so so that uh, Obviously, then Dallas is scoring right in front of you guys, and Walker Zimmerman's putting his douche face on. So what? Uh, no, Drew, that's his normal face. He doesn't have a douche face. That's what he looks like. Yeah. We were talking about this. There's got to have been a Tifo Walker Texas Ranger, right? That's happened. <laughs> if not, that's a real missed opportunity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. I. You know, it was kind of one of those things where. I, I really, I, I promise, I saw that coming. Like, I saw him making that run, and I saw the pass, and I was just like, this is in. I mean, there was just no way I felt like he was going to miss it. And, and it was tough because the, the people that did show up were really looking uh, for something, and they got it. And, you know, obviously the stadium erupted, and, you know, um, it – it didn't, it didn't feel good. Like at that point I was just like, Oh man, I know they still needed three more or two more to at least tie it. But it really just like, I think that sense of dread because we lose often in Dallas or we tie often in Dallas. It was just, it didn't feel good. I felt like everything changed with that, with that one goal, but it, it felt like the team changed too. They just really weren't like, didn't look sharp after the Adi goal at all. Now fast forward five minutes, and then uh, we have the Blas Perez goal. Take us through that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean that 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 was just even more that that was even sinking. And at that point, we had people like pointing at us and and you know yelling all sorts of things at us and and stuff like that. But you know, it, again, it just it felt even worse. And, and we just kind of looked at each other and we're like, well, you know, I I kind of said from the beginning, if this is the way we're gonna go, at least we get to see him going, you know. But 
I'm so pessimistic when it comes to like my own teams. I was just like, we're going to timbers this. We're going to find a way to timbers this and, and just blow it or, or at least let them have overtime. And then momentum just shifts that way, you know, because we saw that with the uh, sporting Kansas city game. I mean, us scoring late really swung, I think swung momentum in our way, but yeah, it, it was tough. It was tough to swallow. Did you guys, I know it's hard to tell often when you're, in the army, but did you notice when Milano came on? Because we were at least at the bar, we were like they're taking. It was Wallace that came off, right? Who I thought had a phenomenal game and is you know had some huge defensive blocks going down. And Nagby at that point was just exhausted and not yeah. barely running. We were like, oh man, you can't put Milano on right now. Like we need to control the ball and play defense and sit back. And he's putting on an attacker and taking out a you know. Not to call Wallace a defensive player, but certainly more defensive than than Milano is. Uh, did you guys see that at all, or even, or, or I mean, I guess that was a weird sub if you take it out of the context that you know he ended the series. See, yeah. I didn't think. Yeah, Brian, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. No, uh, I, I I anticipated Jewsbury coming in, and I noticed, and it was so hard to hear uh, that PA was was I don't know what was going on, but it was really awful, so it was hard to hear. But um, I was actually checking my push alerts on my phone to see what it was oh, yeah. because I couldn't really tell. Um, and then I saw Jewsbury come on, and I anticipated that, and I really anticipated another defender. I thought actually uh, Will Johnson might see some play, um, you know, Taylor Pay and going to like – I don't know. I thought they we were just going to, you know, practically try to form a wall in front of the goal. Um, but, yeah, I – I didn't notice who came in until I guess he kind of got closer to our section. Cause like I said, we're totally on the opposite end and I saw it on my phone and I, I was totally just like, what, you know, like, yeah, it just seemed like such a, I, I guess we were playing for the counter at that point, you know, like waiting for them to lose the ball and stuff. But yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't immediately, we weren't immediately aware of the substitution. Cause like I said, the PA was so hard to hear. So, but yeah, that, I didn't understand that substitution when it happened, but obviously now, you know, he looks like a genius. Yeah. So it was probably difficult, but how'd you guys see that play? Yeah. So, uh, we were the last ones to totally see the goal go in the ball because we were so far away, um, on the other side of the stadium. And it was hard to tell when he went around, uh, the keeper, Jesse Gonzalez, that the ball hadn't gone out or, you know, anything had been called on that play or that the keeper had gotten the ball to it. So we didn't, we couldn't tell that it was a goal until the net moved and obviously everybody had gotten quiet. So we kind of put two and two together. I'm pretty sure some people never even saw the goal happen and just probably saw everybody else celebrating and just kind of went with it. Was it one of those things where you guys only realized because the Timbers were celebrating or like, how did you yeah, know? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That was, like I said, some of us, I, I can bet you anything. Some of us saw, I saw the net moving on the ball when it hit kind of the left side of the net. And that's when I knew. Um, and then I looked over to see what they were doing. And by then, like people around me were screaming. So I was like, Oh, I guess that's a goal. So we just kind of accepted it as a goal and waited. And once everybody started leaving, I was like, ah, that's, that's when we knew you proceeded to lose your shit presumably <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> that's awesome all right we're done here so uh you guys ready to go so uh, we have our western conference final trophy it's been a good season we're not done yet drew <laughs> we're not who are your 
tips, all right? <laughs> we got one more game. Yeah, so what do you guys think about that whole, like, I mean, if this is as far as we go, I mean, is this, I saw the question, like, is this silverware? Is this, you know, valid trophy for us? Oh, fuck no. Oh, you, you don't, I, I disagree with that completely. Oh, yeah, no, it doesn't, it doesn't mean squat, in oh, my I, opinion. I, I disagree, so hold on, let's run through the, the trophies. We have the big three, so you get your cup, you got the sports shield, and the U.S. Open. And then there's the kind of the other three that I consider kind of crap. You have the uh, the uh, Canadian Amway Championship. I forget what that trophy's called. That does give you a CONCACAF Champions League berth. But you uh, – If you're from you're, Canada. It does. In real, and one of the three MLS teams, you pretty much have a 33% chance of winning that if you're an MLS team. Let's be honest. Everyone then, in Edmonton just got very pissed off at you. but okay. Yeah, our large <laughs> fan base in Edmonton that yeah. we have. Timbers Army Edmonton <laughs> supporters group. No offense, man. <laughs> so then, so then you have that one. And the Eastern and Western Conference trophies. I would put this, I put the Western Conference title trophy probably at 4 or 5. This is a second place trophy. This is a... Yes, but so is the... Yeah, but I think if you look at the weight of it, I put it above the Eastern Conference trophy because it's the Eastern Conference, and I still put it above the Amway Cup for Canada because you only have three realistic teams that are going to win that. So the weight of it is not the same. You might get a better reward, but the weight of it is not the same. Now, first of all, it's exactly the same as the Eastern Conference trophy. They're I, both they, meaningless. The Western Conference is harder. Because, right I mean, now it is, but in 20 years... If, okay, so we can argue what we know of right now. <laughs> Well, because you got to place it in historical context. Like, exactly, you're right, we do. That says the Western Conference is harder. It also, I mean, like, did they give away second-place trophies before there was an Eastern and Western Conference? I mean... I don't know, maybe. No, they didn't. They did like, not. You know, it is, <laughs> one of the things that I, I totally disagree on the supporter shield, I don't know that I feel like that's just a... I don't know. Like, I mean, New York, what is it? New York has it, but where are they? You know, so I think, I, I don't know. I know a lot of weight is put on the Supporters Shield trophy, but I, I'm like, is that really an accomplishment? Like, you, I don't know. What, um, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I think, I think it is just because it does, I mean, it means much less now that it's an uneven schedule. When yeah. it was a balanced schedule, I think it meant it a lot more than it does now. Because uh, I think New York's, like Kyle said, New York's schedule was much easier just because they played so many Eastern Conference teams. But I do think it means something. I certainly think it means more to have had the best record in the regular season than it does to have had the second best record in the playoffs. Now, I do think it's bullshit that Columbus gets to host, despite the fact that the Timbers and Columbus finished with the same number of points and we won a game in Columbus earlier this year and we won the. You know, which is the only game between the teams. So what did we lose? To, we lost to Columbus on what goal differential, or was it? Yeah, I think it was. Uh, yeah, I think it was goal differential. Okay, that's stupid. Yeah, it was like plus five versus plus two or something. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's hard to believe, but until the last three weeks of the season, the Timbers oh, had negative goal differential. But yep. Yeah. But yeah, uh, anyway, I think there is a. Again, it, it's very mild. But I think there is a little bit of significance and importance on the Western Conference title trophy. Right now there is, but hopefully MLS survives another 50 years, in which case, you know, maybe the opposite. So yeah, you're going to hang right. a banner in the in the stadium. It's it's going to Eastern Conference versus Western Conference. You know, it doesn't 
doesn't really matter. I mean, for all we know, like, Sporting Kansas City, for instance, is going to have both, I think, they've won the Eastern Conference, and probably at some point in the future they'll win the Western Conference. So they'll have both banners. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I think they're both worthless. And I, I, I would not say Equally they're... worthless. <laughs> I, I understand your point. I don't think you're completely wrong, but I, I think the Western Conference is worth something because it's a harder conference. Yeah. And... Agree to disagree. Fair enough. <laughs> Sorry, what were you going to say, Brent? No, and I, I was just thinking more or less like, you know, in, in the distant future when, you know, we open the season back up, if we don't get the cup, is this something we're like throwing in people's faces? Like we won the West, you know, is this something we're going to use as, you know, kind of like winning the Cascadia Cup? I mean, it was a big deal. Kings of Cascadia, you know, are we are we like the most dominant force in the West or something like that? You know, whatever, come next year. Is that what we're advertising? I don't think this title is – I don't. I think this is only significant to us. I don't think this is good enough to throw into somebody's face. Like it, it's one of those things I think it's really cool that we have, but I don't think we can go to Seattle and be like, fuck you guys, even though we can kind of do that anyway, but that's not the point. Yeah, yeah that's what I was thinking with the Sounders. Like do we throw that in their face? You know, but... yeah, I mean, it's not like we can go to L.A. and be like, look at this Western Conference trophy we have when they have you know, <laughs> a bunch of cups and Western Conference trophies. It, it's really it's one of those things that kind of – it should make every Timbers fan feel good that we've won this trophy, but it doesn't actually mean much in retrospect. It reminds me a lot of I, – I have no idea what year it was, but it was before we made it the jump to MLS and – I'm probably messing all these details up because I'm going off the top of my head, but I was at a playoff game. I think it was against Atlanta. It was the year the Timbers, we had like a 20-some undefeated streak, uh, won the what would have been called the Supporter Shield in the A-League or whatever they were in the USL at the time. And we were the favorites going into the playoffs, and we lost to Atlanta in the playoffs. It may have been even PKs. I don't remember. Uh, this was probably 10 years ago. And I remember being so devastated in the stands, and we're leaving, and this guy, and I was like, I must have looked really sad, because this guy, who I didn't know, looked at me and said, hey man, don't worry about it, we already won the league, we won, we had the best record, and I just like, if I had had an axe in my hand at that point, I would have <laughs> chopped that man in half, because like... <laughs> It was there's nothing more meaningless to me at the time than the fact that the Timbers had had the best record in the league, uh, and we had just lost to some crap team from the East Coast. So I have a feeling that if we lose in the final, then that's what we're gonna feel about the Western Conference Championship. You know, putting it into perspective, when our season was falling apart and we're posting, you know, JPEGs of dumpster fires all over Twitter, you know. That, or, you know, like, in the playoffs when the Timbers Army did a TIFO that said GW out and MP cell. Like, that was a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and you gotta get that banner that's the same as it ever was banner. And yeah, same, same as it keep, ever was. If, 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 you know, if everything were to end today and there was no cup, you still gotta think back at how bad things were. And, I mean, that could, this that's when the trophy should make you feel, the Western Conference trophy should, should make you feel good is when you look at how much progress you've made over the course of a couple of months, even. Yeah, well, I mean, part of that is a testament to, I think, the changes that Caleb Porter has made, and I think, I mean, it hurts to say, but, you know, soccer is largely a game of luck, and I think that the Timbers have gotten definitely some luck on our side. Two posts. I mean, you think about oh, it. Also, here's a th- I, I, 
you're not wrong, but when we look at the FC Dallas game in particular, I don't think that was luck. I think that was very bad game management from Dallas. I didn't see any urgency, and we talked about this on our last show, but we didn't see any urgency from Dallas in the first 45 minutes. And that I think that they shot themselves in the foot. And then even they didn't have any urgency until after we scored, which was so late. I mean, when they needed to get start, when they needed to come out flying and get a goal to even be competitive in this game, they didn't. I mean, and yes, when they did, you know, finally kick it into gear and get those two goals, they were. I was terrified that they were going to get their third, and they very well could have. If it wasn't for Nat Porters, but the fact is, they did it so late. I mean. They should have been guns blazing within the first five minutes. I mean, if you had that kind, of, if they had that same mentality from like ten minute on, this very could have, very well could have been a different game. And they didn't do it. Yeah, well, it's interesting. So I, uh, so here's my pl- weekly plug for American Soccer Analysis, my other site that I run, and now uh, we, uh, so folks were asking us, you know, because obviously the teams that have hosted the first leg have done much better in the playoffs this year. Uh, obviously, both Columbus and Portland had the first leg, and then obviously the Vancouver series, uh, we also had the, the first leg at home. And so there's been a lot of, you know, people saying, well, it's not fair. So MLS has only been doing the away goals rule for the last two seasons, but if you look at Champions League, which is uh, – We've had it in Europe for, I think, 10 years or so now, maybe more. It's interesting because in the early rounds, the team that hosts the second leg wins like 75% of the series, which would seem to suggest that hosting the second leg is actually better than hosting the first leg. But the uh, the last round where they have the away goals rule in the Champions League, the uh, semifinals, which I guess is the same same format as MLS, the team that hosts the first leg wins about 60% of the time. Now, it's a small sample size. I think if they only have, like, 20 or 30 uh, games, but the team that hosts the first leg in the semifinals of the UEFA Champions League wins the series about 60 or 70% of the time. So it's you could the argument could be made that when the, the better teams are winning the early rounds, right, so when they're host, they're hosting the second leg, but they're able to overcome that by just being the better team because they're facing the lower seeds. But as the teams get more equally uh, equal in talent and ability, and you're in the you know semifinals, that actually it does advantage the team that has the first game at home. So I don't know. There's some game theory shit that could be written about that, and I, I may do a post on American Soccer Analysis about this, but uh, but yeah, it's interesting to, to think about, and, and I do think that really plays into how Dallas approached the game, and New York as well. I mean, New York just looked totally impotent, and and I think it was just, it, it was there was a lot of factors, right? So Portland and Columbus both knew that if they were stout defensively, you know, it was, obviously we were on pins and needles, but the, both teams knew that if they scored, it was probably over at that point. And yeah, Drew, but we didn't play any differently than we have. Like we, we didn't park the bus. I mean, in no shape. No, not we, at we all. We came out to play. And no, Dallas, absolutely. Dallas but did but, did but that. still, you know, when Dallas scored two goals, it's not like we were running out there to 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 get our goal. Like we knew we were gonna if we were gonna score, it was gonna be on the counter attack, which is oh, the right, right way to play it. I'm not I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying, like I said, it's a game theory thing at that point, right? You gotta think about what the other team's gonna do and then react to that 
And I think if anything, we haven't, I don't know how y'all have seen it, but we haven't looked good parking the bus either. I don't think we're that good at doing that. We're best when we are attacking and getting back, even if it's on the counter. I mean, it seems like we can get back fast enough and, and prevent it, you know, be it through Coarse or the back line or Chara or something. But yeah, I mean, like, like I said, excuse me, after that first goal, it was, it, I mean, the team just didn't look good. And that's why I thought, I mean, now this, this is going to swing the other way because we're just not good at, at, you know, bunkering in and, and playing a la Chelsea. That's not a comparison that's very good this year, but, but yeah, I think everyone knows what you're, what you're talking yeah, about. Right. Yeah. I guess it's a little dated now. Uh, but yeah, Hey, they want to, they want a champions league with a team that nobody thought had a chance. Yeah. So, uh, there's your there's your metaphor. I don't know. I don't know. I just think Oscar Pereja should have done something. Maybe no, I can't really fault Oscar Pereja because he, he went with the same lineup and he trusted his players and that's fine and it makes well he sense. benched uh, Lloyd who was yeah but he replaced him with Walker Zimmerman and that that was a smart change because you know, that oh, absolutely. Insane. But I feel like there wasn't enough urgency from Dallas like it didn't with that first half did not feel like a playoff game. Like, other than, like, the importance of any kind of goal that happened, like, Dallas is not playing like they were going for a win here. I mean, they didn't have too many clear-cut chances remotely. I mean, we if anything, we dominated that first half with chances. I mean, when we did have chances, if I recall correctly, they were the better of the chances. Like, they were actual, you know, potential goals. I don't recall Dallas ever having a real threat on our goal. Uh, there was that, uh, what was it, like a cross, I don't know who it was, but with a header and Kowarse had to make a, a big right, yes, stop. Yes, he had, yes, he had the point blank save, that is correct, you're right. Yeah, that that was a huge one, I mean, we're we're watching that, and that just, our stomach sank with that one. Yeah, that I think that was Texera, who yeah. I don't think is From very good. Um, it, it was, I think it was Matt Doyle, who's who's the armchair analyst for MLS, who said Viafania is like not particularly athletic or talented MLS player, but he's like one of the smartest players in MLS and he's the most, one of the most consistent. Uh, And I feel like that just sums him up so well that he basically in a lot was tasked with be it Barrios or Castillo down the side was able to be like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to shut these guys down and then relied on Paparato and Borchers to, to get on Texera or Blas Perez or whoever it was up there. And they were, I think it was part of the game plan to just be like, we're going to get beat by their center forward. We're not going to get beat by their speedy wingers. And I think, you know, Viafania is the lens to view that through, but I think that was Caleb Porter's game plan. Yeah. And for him to have them actually kind of running backwards, chasing Viafania himself, uh, which I saw a few times uh, was a big deal too, because Viafania was getting forward like he does. You know, and and that was crazy to see him, you know, doing something like that and kind of, in a way, dominating them. Sueño, baby. It's, <laughs> it's one of the best nicknames. So what do we think of Paparato? I mean, how did he fit in there? I mean, he still has a great record. We've never lost with him in the starting lineup. Like, how, uh, how do we think he performed overall? I, I told you guys last time. I told you I was Team Papa, so <laughs> you know how I feel about it. I think he was pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think he was definitely on, I, th- I don't remember which goal it was, but there was one that he was pretty on fault to fault for. And I think there was one where they ended up getting called offside or something like that. 
but he was just in no man's land. Actually, you know what? I think it was that one in the first half where uh, Texera got the header. I'm not uh, like I think I'm not a huge Ridgewell fan, but I do think he is just a much smarter player than Paparato. That said, Paparato did have some really crucial headers, especially in crosses late in the game when we were before we scored that last goal that were crucial. I think he is much better in the air than either Borchers or Ridgewell, but I just think he sometimes gets lost and starts watching the ball, and uh, it's really scary. Yeah, and I I could see some good tackles, and I saw some good clearances with the head like you you mentioned. And for being somebody who pretty much sat on the bench most of the season, I mean, when he had to come in, I mean, he did as best as you could ask for for somebody – you know, especially like with the last game when he came in cold and they went right at him, you know, in Portland, you know, they were going to do that. And that's tough. That's tough for anybody to just get up, you know, and be ready and and be in game mode immediately. So I don't know to ask that for him, like I thought was, was pretty decent. And there wasn't a huge gaffe on his part, at least from what I saw. I will say that he had uh, six interceptions, which led the team. So, you know, he he wasn't afraid to step up and, and win the ball. So that's obviously important. What 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 do you think, Kyle? I I I'm kind of in the middle of the road here. I do think he's a much better aerial presence than either Borchers or Ridgewell, like you were saying. And that makes me want to look to the future. I mean, do we want to put him against Kai Kamara? I mean, Kai Kamara he, well, he's good with both his head and his feet. But I mean if it seems like you want to put some guy like Paparato up against Carmara because you know you can shut him down in the air if you need to. But I don't know how... I mean, tactically, you know what Columbus is going to do. They're going to flood the wings and try to whip a ball in for Kamara, which is, you know, which worked fantastically for them all season. You know, Kamara, you know, almost missed... They narrowly missed the golden boot. I feel like you want to put somebody up there who's going to shut down anything coming from his head. I mean, I, I get that argument. I just think... Ridgewell is a better player, and and oh, and, and this is where it's tough because I agree. I do think Ridgewell is a much better player when you know when it comes to reading the game, but I don't, I just don't think you want to leave that option of Kamara with his head opened. Yeah, Maybe, and, and what is Ridgewell's calf like? You know, can he run after Kamara and can he keep pace with him? You know, that that's a bigger question too. Yeah, absolutely. All good. It's a good problem to have, though, because, I mean, if Ridgewell is healthy, we have two qualities. I mean, we have – all three of our center backs are quite good quality. I mean, I do like Paparato as, you know, whether he's starting or coming off the bench, I like him. I mean, I think he's good, and I think he he's definitely improved from last year. And, I, you know, if he does say our third string, I'm thrilled about it. I think your guys' memories are too short that this team is just better than the team last year and that Paparato has benefited from that. But, uh, yeah, I don't think you're wrong. You're not, I mean, definitely when, um, Tider Eyes lifts all boats, but I, I think he has improved. He hasn't made any of those stupid mistakes like he did. I mean, he, he let in, like, what? He alone had, like, was the cause of three penalties last year, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, just those stupid little tackles that he would make that were super late inside the box. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's... And, and one of the things is, like, you have to remember everybody who or at least mostly who come in over, you know, from other countries have that adjustment period. And he's looked, he hasn't looked all star caliber, obviously this year, but he's looked a lot better and everybody has that adjustment period. Just look at Milano. I mean, he's still adjusting. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's kind of, it's hard. 
I felt like everybody saw what he did and the mistakes last year and just were like gave up completely and were like, no, keep him out of there. You know, just he's horrible. And it's not, you know, embracing that like, well, he there needs to be an adjustment period. I, I think I'm getting way ahead of things, but I do think that maybe if we can get someone in the draft or, or pick up a, a player for maybe a little cheaper, that he could be some valuable trade commodity because he is probably he's probably good enough to start in MLS. There are a lot of really crappy center backs, so I think we could probably get an asset for him. But, but who cares? We're playing him last cup this weekend, so let's 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 get back to that. Um, you guys have anything to say about the the game on Sunday before we? Uh, I do. I want to get my part in about the Milano sub. Oh yeah, go ahead. Because if you remember, Drew, we actually talked about it. We said whoever was either uh, Aspria or Milano didn't start, the other person was going to get subbed in to bring mm-hmm. in that energy at the end of the game. And it's exactly what happened. But I think we thought it was going to be Milano for Espria. We did. We we did come to that conclusion. But still, like it, it makes perfect sense. And I mean, that goal. Uh, and, and we haven't. Uh, that might be the first time we've said Espria's name. But man, he was great again. He's, He's just been he, incredible think, in the playoffs. I think he starts again. Oh yeah, I think definitely. I think he starts again. I yeah. don't think. I mean, this is also why you got to like Milano because he does have that energy and he is he is very tactically smart. Like he is one of those like things you can't quite teach people, and it's just like. His positioning is phenomenal. Like he knows how to make those runs. I mean, he needs a little bit of effort or a little more uh, practice and effort on his finishing, but I do like the potential I'm still seeing from Milano. I mean, that goal to make it wasn't uh, it wasn't quite as simple as it looked because he just he nicked it just the perfect angle of the outside of his boot, and I'm like, good job, Milano. Appreciate that effort. I mean, it was incredible, though. I mean, the way he looked off the defender and Gonzalez, like, that's an incredible goal. Like, that's oh, yeah. why that's why we signed him. Yeah, was, was to do that. Yeah, that was, I mean, that was that, a, that's a $5 that million was... dollar goal right there. That was a $5 million goal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was saying that was his messy moment, man. That that looks, that looks great, uh, especially on TV, seeing it at, when I got home. I, I don't think either of us realized – there, there were two moments that were really hard to see from the game. There was that goal and the the Borchers uh, stop there at the end from Blas Perez. Those two were, I mean, from my view, I, I didn't see those pretty much happen at all. So I got to experience them after the game when I got home, and, and it was incredible. And it looks so good on TV. Yeah, so I, mean, I do think that the, uh, the Milano substitution actually made a lot of sense at the time. Just I knew he was going to bring that kind of energy in. And, you know, even if it wasn't for the sake of, going for goal, he was going to be the type of person that would put, you know, if there was any kind of clearance, he would be the guy running after that ball trying to put pressure on the player. Yeah, and I and I think actually that probably makes it more likely that it will happen the same way in MLS Cup, in that Milano just seems to have played better when he comes off the bench and he's just that late burst of energy that is willing to run at the defense and uh, make things happen. And, and so I think that's probably what, what happens uh, this weekend he's, as well. He is very similar to your Rudy in that same way. He has mm-hmm. that burst of energy that you really need. Only to he can – things I never thought I'd say. He appears to be a better finisher than a Rudy. Oh. Well, for uh, – yeah, no, I know. I mean, that, that second attempt that we had where, uh, where Gonzalez just took the ball from his feet, I like, you got to get that off her sooner. Well, there's one where it was an incredible tackle, but he still should have yes. still should have gotten the shot off. Uh, but yeah, Valeri was just putting him on dimes, like, oh, some dirty passes from Valeri, and Arudi just could not finish. Which, another name we haven't brought up yet, which is Adi, who 
was phenomenal in this game as he has His been. His hold-up play. I mean, can we take a minute to just admire that hold-up play? I mean, he was... Incredible. No I, I was really afraid when he had to sub off because his hold-up play was exactly what we needed down the stretch. Yeah. Um, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope, 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 hope he can play in the final. If he if he's seriously injured and can't go in the final, then we're going to be in trouble. So let's talk about that game a little bit. Let's get a, let's get a little bit, a few minutes into a Columbus Timbers game that uh, just played for some kind of big trophy. Okay. <laughs> what do you guys think? I mean, for everyone listening, the Timbers Army is going to have a massive presence, already looking at 900 tickets sold plus some season tickets. So if I'm correct, it's going to be 1,100 Timbers fans there, which is downright impressive. I mean, we're going to have the whole South End, if I'm not mistaken. I would almost be surprised if there aren't more than that number of, how, of Timbers so fans. How many more can you allot? If you're, you know, if you're the Columbus Crew front office, how many more do you want to give to an away supporting team? Well, I I know for one, those of us that, you know, I, man, I refreshed at 10 o'clock and, and I was out of luck. So a lot of us, like I, I said earlier, like I, I, you had to stub hub. A lot of people are looking to that unless we get lucky tomorrow with 50 tickets, you know, for the supposedly that are going to drop tomorrow. So I don't know. I mean, you may still get a lot of people that will drop $400, $500 on tickets on for, from scalpers. Sure, but that's not like, that's not the crew front office releasing those tickets. Like I don't know if the TA will be getting any more or the Timbers organization. Well, that's the thing, right? Like, who cares? Yeah, I, I was one of the lucky few that was able to grab a ticket, the Timbers Army. But I'm going to that game come hell or high water. Like, I would not have been deterred one second, like Bryant. Like, I would not have been deterred at all if I had not gotten that ticket, and I don't think I'm alone. So there's going to be a lot more than, definitely a lot more than 900, probably no, a lot I, more than 1,100, I think. I completely agree there. with you. I'm just saying, like, I don't think for the TA will be getting any more tickets from like any kind of a lot. Better. No, probably not. But, but if I'm buying a ticket elsewhere, then I'm finding my way to the TA. That's, I mean. Oh yeah, that's definitely true. Yeah. yeah once you get in, no one's going to bother checking. No. Yeah. I mean, and and that would have yesterday in Dallas. I mean, we were just encouraging everybody because no one was really checking you. They saw you wearing timber stuff, and they just kind of pointed you in that direction. So yeah. hopefully that happens the same for anybody who's looking for tickets in other sections. I will say that, you know, I was at the uh, game in Columbus earlier this year, and they definitely did check tickets more than most most play, uh, away stadiums. Most away stadiums, you have your timbers gear on, and they just let you into the away section. Um, and... uh Columbus was definitely checking tickets every time you came in and out of this section. So they may be a little more strict there. We'll see. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But at the same time, like, it's in their own benefit, right? To You don't want necessarily crowd mixing. Uh, no, also, definitely you know, not. I don't know. I, I get your point. Yeah. Now, let's talk about this matchup, because I personally, I love this matchup. Like, as, as bittersweet as it is for me not to go, because I could have gone to New York, but I cannot go to Columbus, I definitely like the matchup with the crew much better than I do New York. I do, too. Uh, I think I do. Th- I think you're right that Kamara is a, is a real challenge, and he, he did play really great against us in that game. Uh, gosh, it was only like a month ago. A month yeah. ago two, almost two months ago, I guess. Isn't that weird, though? Yeah, I was thinking about it last night, and I was like, 
when was that? And then I remembered that all the, a lot of the Timbers Army folks that we went out there, we went to the Oktoberfest uh, afterwards. So I was like, oh, it must have been October when we went out there. Uh, so that's how that was how I, I dated it. But, um, but yeah, I mean, Kamara's really good. Obviously, Merrim's been playing incredibly well of late. I I think, and, and they have some of their best outside backs. Harrison Awful is a, was a great pickup this year. But I do think that we have the advantage in the midfield. Will Trapp's really good, but Valeri, Nagvi, Chara, like, that's probably the best triangle in MLS. And I think it's going to be really hard for them to deal with. If it was only Valeri, if it was only Nagby, they might be able to figure it out and man mark one of those guys, but there's no way they're going to be able to shut down both of them. And if Valeri and um, Nagby are able to play the way they've been playing for the last month, then I think it's going to be really t- tough for for Columbus to, to shut either one of those guys down, and, and they're just going to feed our attack, be it Adi, Rudy, Milano, Espria, whoever is up there. Uh, they're going to be getting some pretty balls through, I think. Yeah. Really against Columbus is if you can shut down their wings, you have them shut down. Because Kamara does not create for himself. He's not that type of player. I mean, he's really, a finisher. He is. He's, he's really <clears throat> kind of a, a number nine. But you I mean for uh, Higuain definitely has not played the same creative style he has in the past. I'm not saying he's not a still. I mean, he's still a phenomenal player. But I mean, you can probably put Char on him, and Ivan full time, and you're pretty much going to shut him down and as long as. I think I think you want to keep Wallace still because I think you're going to want that defensive cover to help make sure the wings don't get any access. But as long as you can keep the wings pretty quiet, they don't really have that much of a chance of scoring. They're not a, the crew are not a very high scoring team even when they do score. I was watching um I was watching ESPN FC last night and they they were comparing stats like offensive defensive and they definitely obviously have us beat in the offensive category but we have them beat defensively, so that's kind of like, you know, which one's going to give? You know, are they going to score a lot? Are we going to not let in a lot? You know, can we keep going with the goals? I don't know. Uh, and, and we're obviously, we're one of the best at playing away. So, I mean, that 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 leaves me pretty confident, and we have one there. So, I don't, I, I don't know that that place is – I don't know. I've never been there. Um, Andrew, you can probably attest to what that environment is like if it's, you know, incredibly hostile or anything. I would say it's the best supporters group I've seen on the East Coast, probably even better than Philly. That's probably a hot take. Uh, the most impressed I've been to a stadium, if you can call it the East Coast, east of the Mississippi River. First of all, you know, I, I, maybe it was just because I went to the Philly game and then I went to the Columbus game not too long after. But I thought the Columbus fans were, first of all, they cared about their team. They were chanting for their team, whereas Philly fans prefer to chant and talk shit about the team they're playing. And, you know, they're just, like, throwing shit at us and cussing at us, whereas the Columbus fans actually decided to support their team uh, and and kind of took the route of ignoring us if they could. But once we talked to, you know, we talked to the supporters on an individual level. They were awesome, really hospitable. Uh which is obviously very different from Philly as well. I don't know. I started comparing all this to Philly. I guess they're just known as the best supporters on the on the East. No, I, I, I get your comparisons. I mean, the Suns of Ben and um, you know, the Crew Union are definitely the two more active supporters groups Yeah. on the East Coast. I think my expectations were pretty low, but I was blown away by how awesome the support was there, as well as the stadium. Man, 
I guess because it, you know, it's the original soccer-specific stadium in the U.S. I had, I didn't think it was gonna be that awesome, but I, it was a really awesome place to watch a game. Uh, pretty good viewing spot from the Timbers Army, and I, and it's the same section, obviously, that we're gonna be in for this game. And uh, they have microbrews on tap, which is nice. You know, it's the best stadium I've been to. People always say like Red Bull Arena, but that just play that feels just so anti or uh, not yeah, so, uh, st- It's just a sterile atmosphere in New York. N- NYCFC is kind of cool, but it's a freaking baseball stadium. Uh, just Columbus is just the most authentic supporter experience and stadium experience uh, that I've been to. So I, I, it's it's a pretty cool place. I think you're gonna like it, Brian. I totally forgot what the original question was though. <laughs> <laughs> I like this matchup because I have a healthy respect for the crew. I think they they totally deserve to be here, and I I don't I don't have anything negative right to say about them. Like I've never met a, like a bad crew supporter. I don't think they play particularly dirty. They don't have like a villain on that team, as far as I, you know, they they really don't have a villain on that team. I mean, I think I love this MLS Cup because I think it's just gonna be fun. And I think we're gonna win too, which is kind of helpful. But I like the matchup. This kind of has to be like marketing PR nightmare for MLS. Oh, oh yeah, I get completely correct. I mean, I, I heard something earlier on that like if um there was some kind of a clause that if there was bad weather, it could be moved to Portland. I'm not sure if that's actually true, but I can totally see how MLS would want that because then you have Portland would be you know a fantastic marketing dream because it's Portland, and then you go into Columbus, which is Columbus. And no offense to Columbus, but you're still Columbus. I'd almost think people would have a harder time getting a ticket in Portland than it than the Timbers Army had getting a ticket in Columbus. Those season ticket holders. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, very true. Yeah, yeah, definitely think that's true. I mean, obviously New York is the soccer dons' dream, uh, just because it's the biggest market and it's also a bigger stadium. So I think that's probably what the league was rooting for. But uh, I think, I think. Folks are going to be pleasantly surprised with Columbus. Maybe I'm drinking oh, too yeah. much I mean, Kool-Aid. That, sta- that stadium is going to be sold out. And you know, even on TV, you can tell when that stadium sold out, there's a there's a good atmosphere going on there. I mean, you wish there was – if it was roofed – if there was a roof on there and there's a lot more um, more of an echo for the for the supporters, I think it would be you know second to – it would probably be in that top four with, with us and Vancouver and uh, in Seattle with their uh, stadium atmospheres. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, cool. No, no uh, details have been hammered out for tailgate. Although I will say that when we were there earlier this year, we ended up in the lot. Um, I think it's on the west side of the stadium, right by the chapel, because we there was a couple that got married, and we we chanted, "Uh, you're so freaking married." It was it was excellent. <laughs> uh, there's a there was definitely they had blocked off uh, a section of the parking lot for the for our tailgate specifically. So I would imagine that will almost definitely happen again. Uh, if you're super cool, you'll join Bryant and I at the Days in Columbus Fairgrounds, <laughs> which is right. yeah, which is where we're, uh, every, most of the Timbers folks stayed for the last game as well, and it's a total crap crappy little hotel but it's the cheapest cheapest place you're going to find and it's walking distance from the stadium so if you haven't if you're going and you haven't booked your hotel yet try to get in there if you can and uh, i'm sure it'll be a party at the 
you know, it'll be a party in Portland, but it'll also be a party at the Columbus Days Inn <laughs> Fairgrounds. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm hoping we have, you know, if obviously everything turns out well, I'm hoping we have more of an opportunity with the team. Um, the way that it was done this time around uh, with the Western Conference Championship, it was kind of disappointing. Um, they, they, uh, there was nobody left in the stadium and they pointed the, the celebration, the trophy ceremony, the other direction. And you I, know, uh, they always do it towards the cameras, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I don't know. I just hope it's a better situation if anything happens and, and it's more successful. So I've also, this is actually going to be the second MLS cup I've been to. I, uh, I went to the one in Seattle. What it was, I think it was it was the year Seattle joined the league. I think so before the Timbers were in MLS, and it was RSL versus the Galaxy. It was an awesome game. I went to PKs. Landon missed his PK, but I was uh, I was with a buddy who was is a season ticket holder for RSL, and so I was in the RSL supporter section. And the way they did it then, now again, this is many years old, so things may have changed. Obviously, it's not a neutral site anymore. But uh, basically what they did is just opened up all the sections, and while the R- it wasn't in front of the RSL supporter section where they did all the trophies and um, all that stuff, they basically just opened the sections up, and we just mo- everyone just moved to in front of where the uh, trophy ceremony and stuff took place. So obviously every you know the opposing fans filtered out very quickly, and the the supporter fans just filled in. So. It required folks moving, but I would imagine that's probably where they're going to do again just because I think it'll probably – they'll just direct all that stuff right in front of where the, the cameras are for the for the game. But that's obviously totally speculation, and I don't actually know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Thankfully, Kyle Beckerman isn't playing and Nick Romano isn't playing in this one. Yeah. Nick Romano. Goddamn Nick Romano. <laughs> But Nat, Nat Borchers is. Nat Borchers sure is shit playing in that game. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, do we have anything else to say on this uh, on this topic? I think that's it. Uh, maybe a little spoiler that I think we're going to try to do another one of these uh, later this week and get it out before the game. So we may have more TA Field Report to report before, before MLS Cup. That's true. Good job, Drew. You and your... your <laughs> world-breaking news reporting. Yeah. You <laughs> heard it here first. All right. Um, so if you'd like to uh, tweet at us on the Twitters, you can tweet at us at, uh, at TA Field Report. If you got anything to say or if you know it's going down, we can redistribute it so uh, other TA people can figure stuff out. And also if you want to email us, if you want to come on the show or suggest stuff you want to talk about, you can email us at Drew. What's our email? Uh, timbersfieldreport at gmail.com that's the one Bryant what's your uh, what's your twitter handle uh, it is Bryant uh, B-R-Y-A-N-T underscore R-F so yeah and Brian and I will obviously be there so if you're looking for a place you know if you're desperate and need to crash on the floor of a, at the day's end then, then you can tweet at me I guess I'm I haven't said that yet I'm Drew J. Olson Kyle what's yours I don't even remember mine. I think it's my last name, 122. Okay. Two, Kyle does the TA know. Field Report Twitter, so just, yeah. just follow that one. Are you going to be uh, on top of shit during the game and, like, pregame I, and stuff? Well, 
I'm going to try to be at the top of it as much as possible, but I'm also going to be drinking. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> All right. I like the honesty. Like yeah. the honesty. All right. Uh, cool. So uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Brian, much appreciated. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, uh, thanks again, man. Yeah. Coming thanks. on a second time. You came back. Let's remember that. That's impressive. <laughs> thank you for coming back. No, absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. It's it's always a blast, and I can't leave without a shout-out to Miss Pickles and Tucker, our cats. So had to do that again. The most mentioned cats in Field Report history as well. Part of the Tim Purr's army, which I've seen on <laughs> Bam. So There it is. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, man, we should, uh, we should meet up for a pint, uh, on Saturday Absolutely. or Sunday. Let's, let's go be cautiously optimistic together. Let's do it. Hey, party on. <laughs> Thanks again, guys. See you later, man. You can hear it all.